Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Thanks, Ben. Love you, dude. That was encouraging. Let's see if I can live up to what he just said. All right. Yeah, so let's, let's kick off this morning. We're starting a new series. It's Advent. It's Advent week one. And this is the third year in a row that I've preached this message. So it's a tradition now. Uh, I might just rename this Sunday, Graydon Gets Excited About Christmas Sunday. I just, I'm going to submit that to the lectionary and see if they'll just officially name that. That'd be nice. Um, well, my name is Graydon again. I'm a youth pastor and I love this church. I look around. There's so many faces that I know and love, and so it's fun to preach to you. It's a joy. It's, uh, I have fun up here. And um, uh, yeah, and I, I think the thing I want to get across this morning, I've, I was praying about this message, and the thing I wanted to get across to you is, is the hope of the Lord. I was praying about it, and I felt like Jesus just was saying, it's just hope. Let hope come out of your mouth. Let, let everything that you say be soaked in hope. So I hope that you, you get that this morning and, and that you receive the hope of the Lord, not just the hope that we can muster up, but the hope of Jesus. I hope you get that this morning. So um, I'm also excited because it's my first time to preach in here in the new stage. You know, it's kind of a big deal for me. This is it's like when you get upgraded on your rental car, this is what I'm experiencing right now as a preacher. It's just like, oh man, this is... This is exciting. I got upgraded. Um, I also, I do want to say, I believe I have completed the grand slam of 5023 Trail Like Preaching uh, because I've, I've now preached the new auditorium, the old auditorium, the venue, and the parking lot. And so I believe I've covered all four. Um, and I'm, so this is a big moment for me. I know that's pity applause, but it's a big deal for me. Like, does he actually think it's a good thing? I don't know. All right, well, let me intro this. Um, So we're coming into Advent, and Advent is such an important time of the Christian calendar. It's actually the beginning of the church calendar um, to celebrate that Jesus came um, and that he's coming again. Advent is about, uh, it's the word that means the coming, and and so it's, it's Jesus coming to us. Uh, but also that Jesus will come again. And so we celebrate this, this story of Jesus and we look forward to how he's going to come back again. And so the title of our Advent series this year is the word given. And so we're kind of coming, wrapping up this Nathan initiative and we're realizing that, that given, that's a great theme for Jesus coming to save us, that the son was given. That's what I'll be talking about today. And, and then we respond in that we are given to God as well. And so um, even the passage that we're going to read today in Isaiah 9, the word is there given is Nathan. It's that Nathan word. And so we're really weaving all of this in together, the generosity of God and how we too are given uh, in this Advent season. So let's hold on to that during Advent. Let's hold on to the givenness of who we are, of who God is. It's not just about giving presents, though that's very, very fun, uh, but it's this givenness, this deeper reality that we're a part of uh, is what we're celebrating during this time. And I wanna offer one more word here, uh, an introduction. It's something that Jamie's mentioned a couple times recently, but I I want us to practice a creative imagination during this series. 
and during this morning even, a creative imagination. God has given us an imagination to use. And though it's often co-opted by the powers that be, Jesus wants to redeem it. And so what if we come into this Advent season with a sense of wonder and amazement, with a sense of imagination that Jesus really did come and become a human, that we really are given to this story and, and that there's something deep for us to discover here. It's not just another Christmas time. It's the celebration of the wonder of Jesus coming to save us. So let's hold on to that during this, during this series. Amen? Amen? All right, let me share the main thing. We'll pray and then we'll turn to the scriptures. Here's the main thing this morning. In Advent, we proclaim with hope that a son is given through an unexpected gift out of self-giving love and to reign with eternal peace, justice, and righteousness. Amen. Let's pray over this time and then we'll open up to Isaiah 9. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. You're so much better than anything that I could say, any way that I could describe you. Jesus, you're so much better. And so in Advent, Lord, we proclaim with hope that you have been given, and because of that, everything is different. And I pray that you'd give us a new sense of wonder and imagination this morning as we walk into this Advent season. I pray that you would just, you'd come in and you'd just mess up all of our boxes that we've put you in. Lord, we want to be undone by you today. We want to be undone by this gift, this givenness, Lord, and your reign that changes everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Isaiah 9. I'm going to read verse 1 through 7 here for us. It should be up on the screen. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you. As with joy at the harvest as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us. A son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Okay, we're gonna jump in here and look at a few different things about what this really means for us that a son is given. This incredible passage that for throughout history people have seen as a, a a prophetic statement about Jesus to come. Uh, Matthew actually says that the, even the first verse is talking about Jesus because he set up his ministry in Capernaum, which is in the land of Naphtali, as you heard in the passage. And so we're going to look at this. What does this mean for us that a son is given? So here's the first point. 
A son is given through an unexpected gift, an unexpected gift. No one really expected it to go down this way. And every time that I get to preach in Advent, I just feel like I need to make a big deal about the incarnation. Like it's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's incredible news. And it's something that no one really saw. No one expected this. And a few years ago, I used the word behold as a way to kind of uh, use this illustration. I'll pull it out again because behold is such a, it's an important word. It's an interjection. It's supposed to interrupt you. Behold, stop, look, pay attention. Don't miss this. Behold, Jesus came and he became a human on planet earth. This really happened. This really happened. Not only that, he became a baby of all things. (laughs) He became a baby. He entered into the vulnerability of human nature. That is amazing. Jesus is amazing. And so when Israel was looking for a warrior Messiah to destroy the empire through power and might, instead, they received a baby in a manger in an undesirable region to a poor family who would not take up arms but would unmask the empire through self-sacrificial love. That's what they received. It's something that no one saw coming. Even the experts of the Hebrew scriptures missed the Son of God in the flesh. And that should make us pause and behold a little bit. I don't want to miss what Jesus is up to. I don't want to miss what Jesus is up to in this Advent season. Because Jesus is so good. He became human and gave himself to a world that he knew would abuse him, would harm him, would ultimately kill him. And yet he gave himself to this world, to demonstrate love. J. D. Otis Roberts said that in Jesus' incarnation, he incarnated all of humanity. This is what we unpacked in the previous series in Ephesians. And, and therefore, Jesus relates to all humanity. Jesus is at home in all cultures, among all peoples. He relates to you in your circumstances. When you feel like no person understands, that might be true, but Jesus does understand. He entered into your world, your context. He incarnated into your place, your existence, when he came as a human baby. And that's why our faith, there's something particular about our faith. It can be translated into all places, all peoples, all languages. The gospel is at home in all places. That's not always true in other world religions. And so Jesus is just different. He's unexpected. Christmas is unexpected. And maybe for some of us, we're so used to the Christian story, the Christmas story, that maybe it is kind of expected for us. And we kind of we get it. Yeah, I've read, the, I've read the stories in the Gospels. I kind of know what it looks like. But would we stop and pause and behold again the wonder of Advent, the wonder of the Incarnation Jesus went as low as he could go to communicate the self-sacrificial love of God. And that is really good news for us. He couldn't go any farther. He demonstrated that the foolishness of God is wiser than humans and that the weakness of God is more powerful than humans, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians. And so Jesus came, and he came in a way that no one expected, a scandalous pregnancy dying on a scandalous cross from scandal to scandal. Jesus will go low in order to show you what God is really like 
And this is an unexpected gift, one that we should receive. I know some of us receive unexpected gifts on Christmas, and we're not sure how to respond. You know, the thing that you didn't really want. And you're like, thank you. Okay, let's work on receiving the unexpected gift of who Jesus is, who Jesus really is, not what we want him to be like, but how Jesus really came to us. The incarnation is hope personified, okay? And so let's receive that hope. So here's the thing, is that Jesus doesn't change. We, we sang about it this morning. He's unchanging. So how might Jesus continue to give unexpected gifts to you and me this year in this season? How is Jesus working unexpectedly, maybe outside of what we expect him to do? I think we should be paying attention to that this Advent because God's still into it. As soon as we think we have God figured out, we're in for a surprise, okay? The disciples learned that lesson, right? Uh, the, the people were, you know, Peter declares Jesus to be the Messiah and then Jesus is like, great, now they're gonna kill me. Whoa, unexpected, you know what I'm saying? I think that Jesus wants to break open our boxes that we put him in. Um, when the crowds tried to crown Jesus in John 6, he immediately ran away to be by himself. God does unexpected things. Jesus, to save humanity, to rescue humanity, becomes a vulnerable baby. It's unexpected. So what might God be doing in your life this Advent? Um, I was learning from uh, my brother, James, over here. Uh, about he, uh, He'd written some about the context of Isaiah 7 and leading into Isaiah 9. And he talked about how part of the message there was childlike faith that God was calling Israel to childlike faith rather than faith in whatever political alliances Israel made through their kings. Um, and I think we should think about that. It feels like maybe not much has changed from then until now. And so maybe Advent is calling us to childlike faith, that God still gives unexpected gifts, that God still saves us no matter what power that I have, Right? Put our faith in God in a childlike faith because Jesus enters the human condition and just simply says, I'm with you. I am with you no matter what. I am given for you and I will save you. That's the message of the incarnation. So the next point here, a son is given out of self-giving love, out of self-giving love. Did you know that God is self-giving? God is self-giving. Giving because when the son put on flesh, that was God giving God's self. You know, the son is God, <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfectly one and yet distinct. And so God didn't just send someone else to rescue us, God sent himself in the son, in Jesus. And so God is not just a generous God, God is a self giving God. There is a difference between those two things because we can be generous. We can be generous with what we have, we're generous with our time, but there can still be distance between us. Does that make sense? I think that's very common in the time that we live in and a time of innovation and efficiency. We're really into work and getting things done. And sometimes, I, I think I've heard this story before, some families will say, listen, uh, my parent, you know, they put a roof over my head, but I didn't really receive love from them, right? We can be generous, but are we self-giving? Sometimes easier to give my stuff than to give myself, to just fix a problem instead of entering into the problem saying, I'm with you in the problem. 
And that's what Jesus demonstrates for us. Um, And the same is true in parenthood. I think as parents, we can relate to this self-giving thing because the love of a parent, uh, whether you like it or not, is self-giving love. You give yourself. You're in this thing now, okay? Uh, And so you give a lot more than you would expect as a parent. Um, I got to change the way that I live and act and sleep and talk and think for my kids, I've got to change all of that. It's self-giving love. I I need to be near and not distant. And all all the sense of that word, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, I've got to be close. I've got to be near for them. Um, I, I want to be safe to my kids even when they're not safe to me, okay? This is the love of a parent. This is self-giving love. Even when they don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, I am giving myself for them. I'm laying myself out on the altar for my kids. Um, and my relationship with my girls, with my kids, is fundamentally different than my relationship with someone else's kids, right? It's different. It's self-giving love with my kids. At the end of the day, your kids do not belong to me. They got to go to your house. They can't stay forever, okay? Uh, But with my kids, there's this self-giving aspect of they have access to me. They have access to my life and my heart. I also have zero privacy. (laughs) Your kids don't care about privacy, right? And so there's a self-giving, there's an access. What if God who has adopted us, has given you full access to who God is? What if childlike faith is believing that I have access to my Father in heaven? In the sense that my girls have access to my life, that we're going to spend every single day together. What if the God of the universe gave that to you and demonstrated it in sending Jesus to take on flesh and say, I'm not just with you like in a distant way. I'm not just giving my stuff. I'm not just giving you a rescue plan. I am the rescue plan. I am here with you. That is really good news for us. The more I look at Jesus's life, the power of his ministry was in his givenness for other people. That was the power. His refusal to hate or dehumanize and to give freedom and liberation to even those that would kill him. That was the power in his ministry. And so that is the declaration of Jesus. I'm with you, and I am for you, and I will prove it by giving of myself. I remember when I became a youth pastor, I was thinking, you know, there's, I'm limited in what I can do for them, but I want them to know that I am for them, Right? I'm limited in what I can do for you, the kind of events I can put on, but if you know that I'm giving myself to you, that you've got me, you've got my heart, I'm for you no matter what, then I'm doing my job. And so I, I think that we need to rest here for a second to behold this a little bit, that God is a self-giving God. He will never stop giving himself for you. He will never stop loving you because his love is a self-giving love. So many times we think that God is distant, that he's far away, that his love just kind of barely reaches for me and saves me before I fall off the cliff. But God is so near. I was thinking about how Jesus, he didn't have to like neutralize sin before he entered the room. His love wasn't like tear gas. He had to like pop in and be like, is the sin gone? You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus walked right in. Jesus walked right in. Self-giving love. I'm laying my life out for you. Even though you're doing things I know destroy you, but I will make a way for you. 
I will love you. Even when you shake your fist at me, I will make a way for you. That is the love of Jesus, an embrace of the broken, entering the human condition and taking on our vulnerabilities and even eating with those who would disgust other people. That is what Jesus' self-giving love looks like. That's the depth of his love. Um, And in that givenness, Jesus absorbed the sin of the world into his body so that it might come to an end. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for us. And that is the love of Jesus communicated in Advent. Okay, third point here. A son is given to reign with eternal peace, justice, and righteousness. I love this line and this passage in Isaiah 9. And really, we have to connect it to the full story of God. You know, there's a big story going on in the scriptures. There's a big story going on in God's relationship with humanity. And so when we read this passage, we should immediately hear the clues that this is part of this big story that we're a part of. And so when Isaiah is is prophesying this, he's talking about the Davidic promise, the promise that God gave to David. That, he, that God would give David a family line and that, that that family line would be on the throne forever. Okay, we should be hearing that when we read Isaiah 9 saying that, that this son that's given will sit on the throne and there will be eternal peace, that he will reign forever. He's connecting to the story, the story that, that teaches God's faithfulness. God's promises. There's this line of promises throughout the Old Testament. It's starting in creation. The mere fact that God created was a promise that God was the creator and that he would maintain relationship with his creation. Uh, The promise to Noah, the promise to Abraham, the promise to, to Moses in the law, and then a promise to David. And so Jesus is basically in this, uh, in the coming of the incarnation is saying, I am the fulfillment of the promise you've been waiting for. I am the fulfillment. It's not going to be like what you thought. It's not going to be this throne that you wanted physically in the nation of Israel, but I will be the fulfillment of this promise, and I will reign forever. And that reign will be characterized by peace, by justice, and by righteousness. And that is a beautiful vision for us. And that's what's happening in Advent. And I just want to say that if you read these scriptures, you've got to remember what's going on uh, around them. And so Isaiah is prophesying, and Israel is, is not necessarily going to be an empire uh, like the empires of, of Egypt, of Babylon, of Assyria, of Rome. And so we've got to remember that and say that, you know what, empires, it doesn't take much uh, thought to remember this, but empires are not necessarily characterized by peace and justice and righteousness. Much more often, it's violence, injustice, and immorality, Right? is what characterizes an empire. But Jesus comes and says, I'm going to subvert that. I'm going to subvert that with something that you've never seen before, an eternal reign that will be good, that will bring peace and justice, and the people will be righteous, and it will be beautiful. Can we use our creative imagination to think about that this morning? And I don't think it's a stretch to say that we live in America, the biggest, most powerful empire that's ever existed in humankind. And how can we as the people of God say, we're living under the kingship of Jesus, the reign of Jesus. And so though I look out and see so many things, I am committed to the, the peace, the justice, the righteousness of Jesus Christ because he is, he is the king and he will eternally reign. And so I think there's an urgency for us to participate in the kingdom way, the kingdom way of peace, 
the kingdom way of justice and righteousness in the world, if it's really eternal, then it has not stopped. It's a really deep thought. If it's, if it's eternal, it doesn't stop. It didn't pause when Jesus went back up to heaven. Then go on sabbatical. There's no pause here. There's no stop and start. We're not just waiting around like we're in a waiting room for eternity. The kingdom of God is here. It's present. Jesus is reigning. No matter what our experiences are, can we believe that God's bigger than our experience? And so this kingdom, we are urgently called to participate in it, to participate in God making the world right. And so I think that we have to reckon with that call this morning because the kingdom message cannot be separated from the kingdom way, okay? And you also can't have the king without the kingdom, nor can you have the kingdom without the king. And so if you want the kingdom of God, everything made right, but you don't want Jesus, you're going to miss it. But if you want Jesus, but you don't really want the ways of the kingdom, you're going to miss it. We want the king and the kingdom together because Jesus is reigning. And so I want to be about the king's business, okay? And the kingdom cannot be reduced to a spiritual feeling at a Sunday service. It's more than that. It's that and so much more. It's embodied in the world, in our existence, just like the incarnation. Jesus is still an incarnational God. And so he's incarnating this peace, this justice and righteousness into your world. It's not compartmentalized. It's comprehensive, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, experiential, all those alls. It's all of it. And so Jesus wants to bring that peace, bring that justice, and bring that righteousness into reality. Now, of course, I have to say there that we live in this now and not yet time. The kingdom of God is right now, and yet it's not yet Right? We live in the tension, the time in between where Jesus shows up and the kingdom comes through him and he says the kingdom has, has arrived and yet not everything's made right. And we're waiting for the new heavens and new earth where everything will be fully, fully God and humanity together. Uh, the time that heaven and earth will collide fully uh, together. Uh, but I do want to say that the New Testament is way more confident that new creation has arrived than oftentimes we are. It's easy to become cynical, especially when you're connected to every bad thing that happens in the earth at the, at the tip of your fingers, right? And so we have to remember that new creation's here. We can live into the peace, justice, and righteousness of God even now, even in the not yet. I remember uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this theologian, he was writing from a Nazi prison uh, that Advent was much like the waiting in his prison cell, that he knew the reality of Jesus, the reality of the kingdom, and yet he was waiting with anticipation and hope for the fullness to come. That's what Advent is about. That's what Advent is about. He says that Advent creates people, a new people. What if we used our creative imagination to see ourselves as a new people because of what Jesus has done and because of where we're headed and the way that our life is pointing to what is to come? That's a vision that I want to be a part of. Um, because Advent is about reality. This is really the way things are. Jesus has come and the world has never been the same. Jesus comes, he incarnates into humanity and nothing is ever the same. And a limited imagination, it just simply will not do. It will not do. So often it's our limited imagination that fails to see peace and justice and righteousness as possible today. It's a limited imagination that defines peace as idealistic 
and justice as just punishment instead of restoration. That defines righteousness as legalistic platitudes rather than the path of true life. Let's expand our imagination. Let's have a creative, redemptive imagination because God just might work through you and me. God just might give you that unexpected gift as you receive his self-giving love, as you participate in the kingdom of God that's making all things right. Renew our minds, Lord, please. Renew our minds because a son is given and that changes everything for us. And so as I'm preparing to close here, I do want to say this. As I was preparing this message, um, I you know, was thinking about all the typical things of, of an Advent message, of the incarnation, the Christmas story, God with us, all this, all this stuff. Um, and I sensed a word from the Lord saying this. Uh, I felt like he said this, I never left. I never left. Now, in one sense, Jesus did leave, right? Because there's not a physical human being, Jesus, walking around today. Uh, he ascended to the Father. But in another sense, I really do think Jesus never left because it's Christ in you and in me that's the hope of glory. Because the presence of Jesus is so sweet. It's, it's so here. It's accessible to you and me. Uh, Jesus' spirit dwells within his people. Um, the whole world, you can't even describe the world without talking about what Jesus did. Um, and so in a broader sense, even all of existence is held together in the power of Jesus' word. Uh, so might I say that Jesus never really left. Sometimes we talk about Jesus past tense, but Jesus never really left. His presence is here with us today. Um, and I know it might mess with our kind of rational worldview in the modern world, but, but what if God is not distant? What if God's not somewhere off out there in space? And what if Advent is not just an old tale for a private faith that's really disconnected from the modern enlightened individual? What if Advent is really reality? And when we see it and when we glimpse it, it's like we're more alive than we've ever been before. What if Advent is a public announcement to all creation about reality that, that the self-giving God of love has given the Son, Jesus, to reign forever with peace, justice, and righteousness? That would be a beautiful thing, wouldn't it? I would need a creative, redemptive imagination to really see myself living into that. And so that's what I want to receive this morning because Advent awakens us to the reality that Jesus has come and Jesus is coming again and nothing is ever the same. Jesus never really left and he, that means he's still about the same things. And so his people, his body, we've gotta be about the same things of Jesus. And so my prayer today is that we don't just go through another Christmas season, but instead we, we are awake to what Jesus is doing, to the unexpected gifts, to, to the givenness of the son to us so that we may be given to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to spend some time responding to the Lord, so you guys can go ahead and stand up, and we'll have the worship team and ministry team come on up, and we want to respond to what the Lord is saying to you, what maybe you've gotten a glimpse of this morning. And I usually ask the Lord for a couple of different things, maybe different people who, uh, different ways to respond to what the Lord is doing, and so I'll share a few of those things right now. 
I felt like the Lord gave me about uh, three responses for, for ministry time. And if you're feeling one of these tugs on your heart, I'd encourage you to come up front and get prayed for or even find someone that you came with to pray for you as well. But um, here's what I felt like the Lord highlighted. Uh, some of us in the room, I think, need a fresh perspective on the Christmas season. Uh, we need a fresh perspective to regain that sense of wonder about Jesus and his incarnation. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to come, come get prayed for. We'd love to pray that over you. Um, some of us in the room, I think, are struggling with hope for a variety of circumstances. We're struggling with a sense of hope as we enter this time that we're supposed to be excited and, and giddy about, and yet we're kind of lacking that sense of hope. And so if you, in any circumstance, do not have hope, I want you to encourage you to come get prayed for. We'd love to pray for you. And I think that some of us in the room maybe need to start a journey with Jesus or maybe restart a journey with Jesus for the first time in a long time. And so if that's you, you feel like, man, I don't even really know if Jesus is my king. If I'm in that eternal reign, uh, then come to the front. We'd love to pray over you uh, to start that journey with Jesus. What better time than Christmas time? What better time than the first Sunday of the Christian calendar to say, I want to I start afresh. I want to journey with Jesus. So please come to the front. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd love to pray for you. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll enter a time of response. Jesus, we do respond to you this morning and we say that we've got to have you. We've got to have you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are given for us and we want to embrace that message today. We don't want to leave missing it today. We want to respond to you, the given son, out of self-giving love. And so I pray that you would come meet us here today, Lord, wherever we're at, or whether it's at the front, whether it's at your seat, someone praying over you, we want to meet with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the front's open. Please, let's respond to the Spirit of God.
as we kind of wrap up here. Y'all keep praying and ministering, but I want to give a blessing to you this morning, and I just want to bless you uh, with these verses about Jesus again. So I'm going to read these over you and then uh, and thank the Lord for them. So, for a child has been born for us, for us here in this room, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. There shall be endless peace. There shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I bless you this morning to remember that a son has been given for you. The son is given to you and he is bringing peace and justice and righteousness over you in this Advent season. So may the wonder grow during this Christmas. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.